Hello, everybody, and welcome to Honey Badger Radio. Hope you guys are doing well today. Uh, also, on this day, the year of this, our Lord's birth. Yes. Uh, Merry Christmas, if that's your thing. Otherwise, Happy Yule or whatever you guys uh, mm-hmm. do, whatever your your respective belief system uh, reflects. Happy uh, whatever mass. Yeah. Festivus for the rest of us. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So okay, um, we were gonna do a fundraising stream, but Allison changed her mind, so we're doing something else. Now. Eh, I don't know. Do you guys want to do fundraising on Christmas? It seems a little odd, perhaps. I didn't. It didn't occur to me when I set it up. So, mm-hmm. um, but um, I thought that that might be a little bit. Uh, you know, chime in in the in the mm. comment section. <laughs> Tell me what you think about fundraising on Christmas. Is it isn't an acceptable activity? I mean, I will tell you all if you enjoy our content, please go to feedthebadger.com. We have our monthly fundraiser on to make sure that we can fund Brian Prim and Hannah. Oh my God, I almost forgot your names again. Where the fuck am I? Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. I'm in some fucking alternate dimension. Uh, I think I I had a dream today when I was taking a nap that I was dead. But apparently I'm still, I'm not dead yet. I haven't reached the end credits. So we're here. We must do this now. Uh, Feed or fund Brian Prim and Hannah's efforts to bring you this content. That would be at feedthebadger.com slash project slash badger dash media dash blitz. So go there and put a few shekels in the hat. Any bit counts, I'll probably remind you. And I'll also be doing shout outs to anybody who does donate to us today during this stream. First of all, I would really love to thank... Mr. O three O three, who, oh. yes, oh yeah, he got gave us uh, five hundred dollars. So thank you, Mr. O three O three. Oh my god! And then <laughs> he had an extended argument with me over Attack on Titan. Okay. I got really pissed, but then I appreciated him because it, it sorted something out in my mind. So there you go. It's all good. So wonderful argument, and also five hundred bucks. Thank you, Mr. O three O three. Okay. Okay. So, um, this video that we're looking at is from a YouTube channel called Cinema Therapy. And, um, I've never heard of them before, but, um... They're huge. Apparently, yeah, it's a pretty pretty big channel. And they do a lot of videos where they sort of, you know, they, they respond to a popular film. And then they apply their sort of theory of therapy to it. And this one is entitled Christoph is Christoph, the perfect man relationship therapist talks frozen Two. Um, I wanted to do this because the answer is no, he may be the perfect S I M P, but he certainly is not the perfect man. And actually most women would probably find him appalling to be honest. Like, yeah, he ticks nobody's boxes. Except- I saw the I saw the first Frozen. I didn't see mm-hmm. the second one, and yeah. I did. Not- I did see the second one out of morbid curiosity. Oh, I did not care for Frozen. Um, I actually, you know, I liked Tangled, and that's why I no, watched I Frozen. Too. I liked Tangled a lot because, uh, in particular, because of the villain of the story was one of the better ones that I've seen from Disney in a while 
which I can't remember her name, but the woman that had Rapunzel locked up in the tower and was pretending to be like a mother and was pretending to she was playing the victim. She was doing all this stuff. She was extremely manipulative. She gaslit Rapunzel and all that. And I thought, wow, that's great. Like, you know, you don't really see that too often. And they did a good job with that. Um, but with Frozen, it was just Mother Gothel. Yeah, Mother Gothel. That was that was her name. But with Frozen, I just there was, it was just, it was just nothing there. It was just nothing there. Was, and of yeah, course, bland. and they yeah. took a big shit on the source material too. Yeah, it was like nothing like this. I didn't know the original story, but I knew it wasn't that. I mean, the uh, the was, Ice Queen was was the evil character. Yeah, and it's likely that they were originally going to set that up, which is why uh, the Hansel guy being evil is just such a comes right off the wall. It feels like it was tacked on by somebody's, I don't know, <laughs> post production feminist editor. Mm -hmm. Um, it just was horrible. It's just uh, that that is a really bad, bad shift. But originally, yeah. the Ice Queen was the villain, and the Ice Queen kidnaps Hansel. And uh, what was the name of the girl in that? Anna. So forgettable. Anna, Anna and the other one was. Elsa. Uh, Elsa is the ice queen and then Anna is her sister. Yeah, Anna. Anna and Hansel, I think, were. And originally the ice queen kidnaps Hansel and Anna has to venture forth to go and, and rescue him. And mm -hmm. it's sort of a, it's sort of like. I've seen other renditions of it. For example, the Ice Queen by Joan Vinge, which was actually pretty good. It was like a sort of an epic sci-fi opera, mm -hmm. and that was that was that was a fun story. And there there's an element of seduction by the Ice Queen towards Hansel, and um, hmm. seduction <laughs> into not not necessarily sexual seduction, no, but no, seduction no, into no. cynicism. Right. And it's, so it's a, it's a it's actually a it's actually sort of a very moving story and they turned it into absolute and utter schlock just just feminist <laughs> garbage because just the whole garbage. thing was to basically take a shit on you know the idea of prince charming the idea of heroic male figures cuz there were none well, it was the snow queen sorry the snow queen the snow queen i see well the you're talking about the yeah. adaptation that you enjoyed was called the snow yeah. queen but the I original was, no, story no, the original is called the ice called the queen snow was it called the Snow uh, Queen? Oh, it okay. was called the Snow Queen, but I think what's catching me is because there was a uh, the reason why she ended up kidnapping Hansel. I think it was Hansel. Oh, uh, a boy. Well, actually, apparently the boy in the original story was named Kai, but I assume that Kai was supposed to be Hansel, who was in uh, the Frozen. He was the prince that turned out to be the villain. Yeah, I think his name was Hans or something like well, that. But what happened was. He got a sliver of the of the Snow Queen's mirror in his eye, and it changed how he saw the world. And I guess he became very cruel, and then got kidnapped by her, and he was eventually saved by Gerda. And um, so it's it's a it's a it's just a. Mm. It, I'd have to reread it to remember the story, but it definitely yeah. frozen. Well, it yeah butchered absolutely because they had something they wanted to push and. This makes me um, now. Now I'm wondering mm -hmm. because I've talked. I talk a lot. Uh, I talk about stories on some other shows, and some of the guests I've had on for Fireside Chats were writers and such. Uh, one of the things that we discuss, even the, my last guest, Greg Ellis, who uh, 
you know, as an actor and um, director and writer, uh, we talked about stories for a little while because he, you know, he was on Pirates of the Caribbean and stuff. And uh, one of the things that came up in a, in a patron only show uh, talk I had with Greg Ellis was, you know, there because a lot of the stories are very, very old. And then especially mm-hmm. these sort of archetypal stories, they get retold with different characters in a different culture, you know, in uh, hundreds of years apart. But the central stories are the same. You know, there's a, something universal that unifies people across cultures, across time, anywhere in the world. And um, it is the 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 truths that are being communicated in a in a piece of fiction the wisdom that there is an attempt to pass down in particular with stories that are aimed at children. Um, those are the ones that persist. And, and I said, you know, I think I was talking to uh, Greg Ellis when I said this, although it might've been um, the guest I had on before where mm-hmm. I, I basically said, you know, we know the story of Beowulf, the epic poem, and it's not because it was the only story of its time. It's likely that there were hundreds, if not thousands of stories that were being passed down orally, you know, from um, like sort of like from uh, a a wise person, whether that be a father or a mother or a grandmother or an elder or whatever to those to their children around the campfire for so many years. But only some stories can actually persist. Now, of course, that that's when we had an oral tradition. But when it passed into writing, there was, you know, there were ways in which we tried to preserve these stories because mm-hmm. we were trying to preserve the wisdom. So, like Hans Christian Andersen, right? Hans Christian Andersen is the writer of. He's the guy who wrote the Snow Queen. I believe mm-hmm. that's his story. But he also or- wrote Little Mermaid and a couple of other things too. Um, I-, I would say that. Let me let me just look at what 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 it says on. Uh, I know it's, it's Wikipedia, but Wikipedia usually is is good when it's a neutral thing. Oh yeah, it was an original fairy tale by Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah, you so, should really read his fairy tales because they are actually pretty. They're pretty impactful. Absolutely, like the the Little Mermaid is a way sadder story in his version. But the but mm-hmm. the purpose of it is to pass on some. It's it's a it's you know they're usually cautionary tales or there's something deep that's being communicated but it, it can't work if it isn't based on reality and when i say reality i don't mean that the story is factual i mean that what the story is trying to tell you is true right mm-hmm. this there's a difference i don't know if you guys get this you know like the bible persists not because it was forced on people but because the stories in it are communicating a truth even if the mm-hmm. stories themselves are fictional and fairy mm-hmm. tales operate in much the same way. So what mm-hmm. I'm what this brings me to 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 wonder about is um what was the story of the Snow Queen trying to tell people when it was originally written? What was Hans Christian Andersen trying to say? You know, I, I don't know because I haven't read it, but but when well, you say why don't we- why don't we just go through it? And because uh, we can do like a Cliff Notes version, it probably would take about five minutes to read. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can get an idea of the main plot points, and we can have a discussion based on that. I mean, I would love a refresher too because it's been a while since I've read it and read the the much better adaptations based on it than 
Okay. Frozen. Why don't you go ahead and look those up and... No, I've already got it if you want me to go through it. Oh, yeah, go through it, go through it. All right, so the narrative division. The Snow uh, Snow Queen is a tale told in seven stories. One, about the mirror and its pieces. Two, a little boy and a little girl. Three, the flower garden of the woman who who knew magic. Four, the prince and the princess. Five, the little robber girl. Six, the lap woman and the fin woman. And seven, what happened at the Snow Queen's palace and what happened afterwards. This is Mm -hmm. the story. The devil, in in the form of an evil troll, has made a magic mirror that distorts the appearance of everything that it reflects. The magic mirror fails to reflect the good and beautiful aspects of people and things, and magnifies their bad and ugly aspects. The devil, who is headmaster at a troll school, takes the mirror and his pupils throughout the world delight in using it to distort everyone and everything. They attempt to carry the mirror into heaven in order to make fools of the angels and God. But the higher they lift it, the more the mirror shakes as they laugh, and it slips from their grasp and falls to earth, shattering into billions of pieces, some no larger than a a single grain of sand. The splinters are blown by the wind all over the earth and get into people's hearts and eyes, freezing their hearts like blocks of ice and making their eyes like the troll mirror itself, seeing only the bad and ugly in people and things. Hmm. Years later, a little boy, Kai... And little girl Gerda live next door to each other in the garrets of buildings with adjoining roofs in a large city. So I'm guessing that those are the, like, if you open it up, it opens up sort of onto the roof. Yeah. And the roofs are. I want to pause for a second because I want to comment on the mirror thing because I actually find that quite interesting. Mm. So the mirror, uh, it it represents, because the the devil made the mirror and he was Mm a troll headmaster. Um, mm-hmm. I think when they say troll, they don't mean like internet trolls because they no. don't, so you guys know. They mean uh, the classic trolls. Like actual monsters, like demons, right? And so like mm-hmm. the, the, what the mirror does is it, it basically makes people see the world in the least favorable light, in the most um, misery inducing cynicism. It's nihilism. It's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's just like, it affects people with, yeah, like an extremely low opinion of the world and of everyone. And it makes people suspicious of each other and stuff because it freezes their hearts. And, and get when it gets in their eye, when they see other people, they, you know, they're, they don't see the good in them. They only see like how they might be uh, trying to do something selfish or evil or self-serving or what have you. So mm. it is it is a representation of cynicism, which mm-hmm. is a real obstacle that you face when you're out in the world talking to people. There will be people who are, you know, are gracious and there will be people who are extremely nihilistic and miserable and suspicious. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I'm, ju- I'm just sort of thinking about what's being communicated. So anyway, there was a boy and a girl. Yeah, a boy and a girl. And uh, just getting back to years later, a little boy, Kai, and a little girl, Gerda, live next door to each other in the garrets of buildings with adjoining, adjoining roofs in a large city. They could get from one's home to the other just by stepping over the gutters of each building. The two families grow vegetables and roses and window boxes placed in the gutters. Gerda and Kai have a window box garden to play in, and they become devoted to each other as playmates and as close as if they were siblings. Kai's grandmother tells the story about the Snow Queen, who is ruler over the snow bees, 
snowflakes that look like bees. Hmm. As bees have a queen, so do the snow bees, and she is seen where the snowflakes cluster the most. Looking out of his frosted window one winter, Kai sees the snow queen, who beckons him to come with her. Kai draws back in fear from the window. By the following spring, Gerda has learned a song that she sings to Kai. Roses flower in the vale. There we heal, hear child Jesus' tale. Because roses adorn the window box garden, the sight of roses, is, roses always reminds Gerda of her love for Kai. On a pleasant summer day, splinters of the troll mirror get into Kai's heart and eyes. Kai becomes cruel and aggressive. He destroys their window box. He makes fun of his grandmother, and he no longer cares about Gerda, since everyone now appears bad and ugly to him. The only beautiful and perfect things to him now are the tiny snowflakes he sees through a magnifying glass. The following winter, Kai goes out with his sled to play in the snowy market square and hitches it to a curious white sleigh carriage driven by the Snow Queen, who appears as a woman in a white fur coat. Outside the city, she reveals herself to Kai and kisses him twice, one to numb him from the cold and a second time to make him forget about Gerda and his family. A third kiss would kill him. She takes Kai and her sleigh to her, her palace. The people of the city conclude that Kai died in the nearby river. Gerda, heartbroken, goes out the next summer to look for him and questions everyone and everything about Kai's whereabouts. She offers her new red shoes to the river in exchange for Kai. By not taking the gift at first, the river lets her know that Kai did not drown. <laughs> Clever girl. <laughs> so Gerda climbs into a boat. So we're, we're, we're now Gerda's the guile hero, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. The yeah, one that kind uses... of like Dorothy or uh, Alice. Yeah. 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 Well, also, yeah, I, I, did Alice use Guile to get her away? Um, well, mostly, yeah, Alice to some degree does, but for the most part, she kind of stumbles through everything. Yeah. Well, this, <laughs> what, what I meant was, this is less like girl in a strange world and more like uh, she's actually using her wits to figure yeah. the, uh, the mechanics of the world out. So, uh, you know, a, a female character that doesn't just complain about how the world has made her a victim. So Gerda climbs into a boat and the river carries her away to start her on the right path. Gerda next visits an old sorceress with a beautiful garden of eternal summer. The sorceress wants Gerda to stay with her forever, so she causes Gerda to forget Kai and causes all the roses in her garden to sink beneath the earth, since she knows the sight of them will remind Gerda of her friend. However, a while later, whilst playing in the garden, Gerda sees a rose in the sorceress's hat and then remembers Kai and begins to cry. So now we have like a, an eternal summer sorceress and mm -hmm. a winter sorceress. Yeah, it is starting to feel a little bit like uh, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, or no, not Alice in Wonderland. Dorothy and the Wizard, the of, Wizard Oz. of Oz. Actually both, because in Alice, well, through the looking glass, I think there was like a red queen and a white queen. So there was like an evil queen and a good queen or an evil witch and a good witch. Uh, mm. Or maybe there, maybe all of that is symbolic of some, you know, uh, dark feminine and light feminine or something. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, um, yeah because, uh, you know, it's sort of that's the thing that I was just thinking about this ice queen or snow queen character and how she corrupts um, uh, the, the boy Kai uh is is really interesting because it's it is a it's a it is a form of seduction but not like you know like you said not sexual it reminds me of the 
I don't remember her name, but there was a a, a snow witch or an ice witch in um, the uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe um, in the first of the Chronicles of Narnia, I think. And she mm-hmm. she tempts the boy with um, Turkish delight or something. It's like a it's like a yeah. A treat. It would be Turkish delight. That's what I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Turkish delight, and she was using that to corrupt him too. And so I wonder mm. if there isn't. And also, I think of like Hansel and Gretel and the old woman that, you know, uh, fed the the tempted the boy with candy to try to trap mm. them. There's something about that that seems to be a recurring theme. And um, temptress. Guess, yeah. But it's but it's like a uh, it's it seems to be uniquely feminine mm. and it's unique. It also uniquely targets young boys. So there's mm-hmm. something about that too. Like I mean, some people call that maybe the, the 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 um consume uh, the all-consuming mother or something like that. Well, it might be symbolic of that, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's, I guess it's also sort of like I mean, because you're getting a sense that Kai is probably and Gerda are probably on the brink of adolescence. Mm-hmm. So it might also be you know warning of uh, a sexual predatoriness. Yeah. Uh, and temptation, like older women preying on younger young men don't yeah. know what the hell they're doing. Um, there might be an element of that because, you know, our our previous societies to this one were actually a little bit more sensible about men and women's vulnerabilities than we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was some concern about men's sexuality being exploited, too. You can see that in like biblical stories. Um was the one where the guy was almost for <laughs> I'm terrible with names, but he was almost forced to have to have sex with like his bosses or bosses or his owner's wife or something. I think I remember um, something like that. It was from the Bible, right? Yeah, it's um, from the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, the point is there's it's okay. Somebody in the chat will probably remember the story we'll pop you guys, up and say. Yeah, if yeah. you know, let us know. But what I guess my main point is this is not a one-time thing. This seems to be a theme, and this is what I'm getting at. Like these stories, uh most stories that we consider fairy tales or stories from religion or whatever, that they're they're trying to pass on wisdom and they will have certain uh archetypal structures. And I think that this one. That you're and the story so far as you've described it, if Disney had just adapted that about as close as they could, while also still maybe like, you know, I know that they typically take some liberties, but if they had just adapted that, that would have been an amazing story of a boy who is captured by an evil woman and she corrupts him and his young his young childhood friend who is a girl rescues him, basically brings him back to the light or goes on a journey to do so. I don't see how there's anything wrong with that that's not and and it's and it would no, have, there is nothing wrong with it there is no, no, nothing wrong with it no no not and, and not only that but it, it could even you know because one of the excuses that are used uh as to why they took so many liberties with frozen um is that they were trying to you know sort of um shake up this like prince charming trope that for some reason has become like the worst thing like ever and i'm telling you that's what they did but but the only thing they've succeeded in doing is essentially demonizing all of the males or making them into idiots or a mixture of both because like Kristoff in the first movie is basically a useful idiot he just serves mm-hmm. anna 
and he he falls for her, but she can't see him, and like that that's never even fulfilled. Like it, he just stays her friend at the end because, God forbid, a, a man and a woman become attracted to each other, and like they and they kiss at the end of a Disney film because that's been done too much and it's wrong. And so instead, they make it all about the sisterhood, and that's what was actually being pushed out. And it's okay. And I don't it, have a sister, but I, I actually asked Karen about this, and she said that. I don't know. It's it to me. It came across as intensely co- sort of disgustingly codependent and also mm-hmm. abusive. Their relationship came across to me as codependent and abusive. From uh, actually, uh, and this is this is something I see when they so-called focus on sisterhood. They always make one sister the simp for the other sister, mm-hmm. and they, so they have an emotional sister who just is histrionic, gets her way. Everything revolves around her, which was Elsa. And then they have the codependent secondary sister who basically performs the same function as they would put a man in, but we, without getting any kind of fringe benefits, as yeah. shall we speak. Yeah, but I, I don't think they're actually when they're when when I talk about sisterhood, I don't necessarily mean like two siblings that are related by blood who happen to be. Oh, women. yeah, I, I got you. I think it's more about a sisterhood, like the women are a sisterhood, and that's what's being communicated. And yes, ultimately that means if you're if you're part of a sisterhood, like a female sisterhood, that means that someone has to be the uh, serve in service to the other. You have to be in service to women. So Elsa represents women. Uh, and uh, as a, a symbolic female, and Anna has to is a woman that has to serve that. So, like, think of Elsa as the collective women, and Anna yeah. is just a woman. That's why Who Elsa has, to serve has the collective has, women. Yes, that's why Elsa has infinite magic powers, and yet is still like a victim. And Anna has to serve her. So and, and and the reward is that Elsa, because I think at the end of the movie, uh, Elsa rescues Anna mm-hmm. um, from, yeah, from being frozen, as it were, because obviously her magical powers, uh, despite how incredible they are, she um, it's like a curse that she has to bear. It's like this, you know, burden and and uh, it, it you know, it's it's. It's been a while, yeah, every, but there, there is this. Yeah, I, I can't remember much of the plot details either. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a sign of a great story, guys. All I remember are the things that annoyed me. Um, I yeah. can't even remember the conclusion. Like, I can remember the conclusion of Aladdin. I can remember the conclusion of even, like, uh, uh, the princess and the frog, which I thought wasn't the strongest Disney no. princess effort. Not um, really. you know, I can remember the conclusion of almost every Disney cartoon. But for the life of me, I cannot fucking remember the conclusion of Frozen. I just know that the characters annoyed me. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, like, obviously, when they say something like, oh, we're making the source, we're making it better. We're making it more girl power or whatever. What they mean is they're getting rid of any kind of relationship with a man. Because obviously, uh, Gerda is motivated by her love for Kai. And she's motivated by her love for Kai to do things that one presumes are not easy, like trick a river. Yeah. <laughs> you she's know, ma- and, yeah, and, she's be, she's making sacrifices and taking risk for someone she loves. Yeah, and face uh, a, a sorceress with power. Um, so 
Or just to continue the story from where where I set off. Sure, sure. Um, and then we then I'll see if I can find a summary of what the hell happened in Frozen. I'm pretty sure if I watched it two hours ago, I would still not remember what happened. <laughs> it is that fucking forgettable. Um. All right. This isn't forgettable though. Like it, you know, as soon as I read this and refresh my mind, I'm sure I'm going to remember this. Uh, because it's it's got some, it's got heart to it. Yeah, right. but it was written by a, a straight white male, so I don't know why yeah, we're so reading evil. this. And, yeah, exactly. Anderson, what does he know about women? What does he know about sisterhood? You know, what does he know about life? <laughs> yeah. Uh, why are those 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 white males? What do they know about sacrifice? I mean, look at Jesus on the I cross. What does he know? Uh, you know, I'm not Christian, but it's like that's one of the most central stories is this this massive sacrifice by a man. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he was white. Yep. Most likely, or at least Semitic. Outside uh, the... St- uh, okay, the following winter, Kai goes out with his sleigh to play in the snowy market square and hitches it to a curious white sleigh carriage dra- driven by the Snow Queen, who appears as a woman in a fur coat or white fur coat. Outside the city, she reveals herself to Kai and kisses him twice, once to numb him from the cold, a second time to make him forget about Gerda and his family. A third kiss would kill him. Oh, we've already been here. So we're yeah. we're at the, the, the she, uh, it's after she tricked the river. Yeah. Uh yeah, no no, that was uh okay. All right. So uh, Gerda next visits an old sorceress with the beautiful garden of eternal summer. The sorceress wants Gerda to stay with her forever, so she causes Gerda to forget Kai and causes all the roses in her garden to sink beneath the earth, since she knows that the sight of them will remind Gerda of her friend. However, a while later, whilst playing in the garden, Gerda sees a rose on the sorceress's hat and then remembers Kai and begins to cry. Gerda's warm tears raise one bush above the ground, and it tells her that he that it could see all the dead while it was under the earth, and Kai is not among them. So she interrogates the other flowers mm. in the garden, but they only know a single story each, which they sing to her. Realizing that they cannot help her find Kai, Gerda flees the garden of eternal summer and realizes that it is already autumn. She has wasted a lot of time and has no warm clothes to wear. Gerda flees and meets a crow who tells her that Kai is in the princess's palace, or I guess the Snow Queen's palace, or is this a new palace? Gerda goes to the palace and meets the princess and the prince who is not Kai, but looks like him. Okay, that's an interesting wrinkle. Gerda tells them her story and they provide her with warm clothes and a beautiful couch. While traveling, or coach, couch, (laughs) I could just sit on this couch. (laughs) While traveling in this coach, Gerda is captured by robbers and brought to their castle where she befriends a little robber girl whose pet doves tell her that they saw Kai while she was carried away by the Snow Queen in the direction of Lapland. The captive reindeer Bay tells her that he knows how to get to Lapland since it's his home. Oh, so we're seeing some of the characters you see in Frozen? Yeah. Except I actually care about them in this story. Yeah. Oh God, I hate that fucking snow thing. The snowman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the snowman's terrible. There, there's, it's just, a, there's, there's, it's just all forgettable garbage. I mean, they, you know, literally ever since the genie, ever since the genie, which was great, Disney has had this thing where they need a character like that in every fucking movie, and and it, they, they just don't work. Like. Sorry, guys, it didn't work. It worked with the genie only because of Robin Williams. After that, even Eddie Murphy could not make Mulan good. It just wasn't. It just that's my opinion. Uh, but ever since, it just, you know, ever okay, they just well, kept on doing that. I freaking that gar- love 
Jason Disney? Alexander Gargoyle in uh, Hunchback? Forgettable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was forgettable. But <laughs> I love Disney movies, like, or Disney cartoons yeah, a sure. lot. I, I know that's yeah. horrible, but no, it's it, it fine. my, it's my it's... guilty pleasure. Yeah, no, you're, you're, um, you're so allowed to have that. I'm just... When, when Disney screws the pooch, and I actually am saying that this is a piece of utter crap... This is coming from somebody who actually sees Disney through rose-colored eyes. Yeah, you're usually really forgiving is what you're saying. I'm usually really forgiving. Mm-hmm. Frozen was an absolute steaming pile of dog shit. Yeah. And Frozen 2 was a regurgitated, like a dog ate its own shit and then puked it back up. <laughs> oh, That's shit how bad. it. Shit <laughs> then, it. Yeah. Then puked it. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's Partly exactly. Partly shitted it, then regurgitated it. Yeah. Uh, no, ate its own shit, then puked it up, and then maybe ate it again, and then shit it out. That's what <laughs> Frozen Two is. Just, just you, you don't even know what that pile the dog left in the corners. You don't want to know, but you probably yeah. have to pick it up anyway. All right. So, okay. So, so uh, just where to get are a, we? just to get a sense of that, uh, did you like Pocahontas? Yeah, I actually did. Okay. Okay. All right, I just so wanted I'm that, really forgiving. That's, that's my really measure. Forgiving. Yeah, I mean, I didn't hate Pocahontas. I just thought, you know, yeah, it's it's basically like it, it was sold by the numbers. But if you if you like it, then yeah, that tells me that that gives me a sense of how forgiving you are. So uh, um, a anyway, lot. Yeah, I am a lot <laughs> forgiving. I am. I'm too forgiving for Disney. And I uh, and me, I hated this. Well, I didn't hate. No, I did really. I I actually had to suffer to finish Frozen too. Mm-hmm. Like I think I took it in like shifts. I'm like I got to find out how this train wreck ends. Uh but it was awful. Well there was there was one scene where Ilsa for some reason was throwing himself herself in the surf and taming the the water spirit that was sort of fun. Didn't go anywhere, but it was fun. But everything else was just utterly forgettable. So Gerda yeah. Uh, so she's being given warm clothes to wear by the prince and princess. Gerda flees and meets a crow who tells her that Kai's in the princess palace. Oh, wait. Okay, so I already said that one. Uh, the, oh, yeah. The, the deer tells Bay. Uh, oh, captive reindeer Bay tells her how to get to Lapland since that's where Kai is. The robber girl frees Gerda and the reindeer to travel north to the Snow Queen's palace. They make two stops. The first at Lap Woman's house and then at the Finn Woman's house. The Finn tells the reindeer that the secret of Gerda's unique power to save the world is in her sweet and innocent child's heart. I can give her no greater power than she has already, said the woman. Do you see how strong that is? How men and animals are obligated to serve her? Okay, that's a bit of gynocentrism. Or maybe it's just because of the sweet and innocence of her heart. It's either that or they recognize it for what it is. Also, Greta's uh, innocence is... I mean, if the enemy at the end of the day is cynicism and nihilism, Mm -hmm. then Greta's... Uh, you know, power is in her optimism and and by extension, her understanding that she can make positive change, right? Because mm-hmm. the the idea of yeah, it's determination, but also you you have to have an understanding that you can make the world mm-hmm. better, and and that if you succumb to cynicism, then you're just going to give up, and that that means that no no change is going to happen. So maybe. What this woman is saying is she's just observing the fact that Greta is young and optimistic and she has, uh, you know, 
the energy and the drive to do what needs to be done. Yeah. Well, her sweet and innocent child's heart. But what's interesting is the next paragraph. I can no, give her no greater power than she has already, says the woman. Don't you see how strong that is? How men and animals, men is probably just humans in general, because she's actually done this on several girls now, are obligated yeah. to serve her. How well she has got through the world barefoot as she is. She cannot receive any power from me greater than she ha now has which consists in her own purity and innocence of heart. If she cannot herself obtain access to the Snow Queen and remove the glass fragments from little Kai, we can do nothing to help her. So this mm -hmm. is a task she has to do. And nobody can help her. So when Gerda reaches the Snow Queen's palace, and again, this is child children's stories, so you're not going to see a lot of gritty, you know, 90s anti-hero themes. Yeah, sure, sure. When Gerda reaches the Snow Queen's palace, she's halted by the snow snowflakes guarding it. She prays the Lord's Prayer, which causes her breath to take the shape of angels who resist the snowflakes and allow Gerda to enter the palace. Gerda finds Kai alone and almost immobile in a frozen lake, which the Snow Queen calls the Mirror of Reason, on which her throne sits. Huh. So I guess we're getting a little bit of cynicism or, or even... Uh, uh, what is the right word for this? Uh... I what? am blanking like, on it, the word. She says she calls it the mirror of reason. Mirror of reason. Yeah. So Cotton. so is it uh and you know we have to consider when this was written but since a lot of Greta's um power seems to or at least like what she's bringing with her is a kind of uh faith because there are mm -hmm. angels that come to help her and stuff then does the Snow Queen represent a kind of like, you know, uh, anti-theism, which or, is your, which the claim usually comes is that it is about reason. I don't know. I'm just curious. I mean, yeah, it could be that. It could be. Uh, well, let's read further. Gerda okay. finds Kai alone and almost immobile on a frozen lake, which the Snow Queen calls the Mirror of Reason, on which her throne sits. Kai is engaged in the task the Snow Queen gave him. He must use the pieces of ice like a Chinese puzzle to form characters and words. If he is able to form the word the Snow Queen told him to spell, she will release him from her power and give him a pair of skates. Huh. Ice skates. Ice skates, yeah. I guess so that he can leave? I don't know. Probably. Gerda runs up to Kai and kisses him, and he's saved by the power of her love. Gerda weeps warm tears on him, melting his heart and burning away the troll mirror splinter in it. As a result, Kai bursts into tears with dislodged the splinter from his eye, and he becomes cheerful and healthy again. He remembers Gerda, and the two dance around so joyously that the splinters of ice Kai had been playing with are caught up in the dance. When they tire of dancing, the splinters fall down and spell eternity, the very word Kai was trying to spell. Kai and Gerda leave the Snow Queen's domain with the help of the reindeer, the Finn woman, and the lap woman. They meet the robber girl, and from there they walk back to their home. Kai and Gerda find everything that everything at home is the same and that they it is they who have changed. They are now grown up and also delighted to see that it is summertime. Uh, at the end, the grandmother leads a passage from the Bible. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Huh. Mm. Mm. So it's probably talking about... Um, well, innocence and uh, optimism, but also perseverance, because it sounds like this was a hell of a trip if it took her 
seven months. Yeah, yeah. Well, that I, I think that, you know, the journey is where the fun is at, like all of these obstacles. What's interesting mm -hmm. is, is that almost all, if not all of Greta's obstacles are female obstacles. The like uh, women that she runs into along the way, right? Yeah, women that she runs into, but some women help her, some women yeah, some hinder help, her. Some Actually, help, some don't. But like the summer well, woman wanted to make her stay. So she yeah. wasn't any better, really. No, the summer woman wanted to make her say the troll girl, the, the robber girl actually seems to imprison her at least, or the robbers imprison her and the robber girl lets her go. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the fin, the lap woman and the fin woman, uh, help her. So yeah, you're right. There's, it's all basically women either hindering her, the snow queen and the summer sorceress, uh, hinder her. The robber girl has to be, uh, I guess, converted to her side to help her. And then, you know, like this is all like basically female characters from stem to stern. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then one male captive, there, like this, one this is what I'm saying, like this should, if, if there is, uh, if, if there, if it's true that there are female Disney fans that are dying for a story that features female main characters and a largely female cast, then, the story of the Snow Queen Wrong as written would would scratch that itch across the board. And Disney wouldn't have to do any extra work. They could literally just adapt that. And maybe if they wanted it to be more secular, which I could uh, understand they would because that's what they usually do. There, uh, There's totally workarounds for all that anyway. And they could literally just adapt it almost exactly and just put it out there and maybe just trim it down a little bit. But you see... That's how you know it's not about representation, because the story as written would have that. It's about um, it's about taking men and their their importance to uh, to women's happiness or their their sort of like part to play and either diminishing it or removing it if possible. That That's mm -hmm. what ultimately it's about. So, well, yeah, because. Look at look at the 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 it has a female protagonist who gets through through perseverance and guile and if they really mm -hmm. wanted to play up there is some guile there she does yeah uh, she, does she does some does, outsmarting and stuff like that yeah yeah she does some outsmarting um and you could say it's innocence and uh, a sweet and innocent heart but it's it's more like uh you could actually reframe that as perseverance. Mm -hmm. She her belief that this that she can make a difference is perseverance could also be considered a sweet and innocent heart because it, it does. You do see, need a certain amount of innocence and sweetness to believe that you can make a difference. To yeah. combat the cynicism, um, the cynicism is essentially the belief that nothing makes a difference, including yourself in a lot of ways, um, like a pure cynicism is that so a pure innocence. And sweetness would be to believe that you can make a difference and that persevere. And, and she demonstrates perseverance. So you could easily reframe this in a way that was a much more secular in nature. Um, but you have Gerda, the main female character who gets by through her perseverance and her guile. And then you have two female, um, a primary female antagonist and a secondary female antagonist, the Snow Queen and the, and the Summer Sorceress. You have... Um, a set, uh, you probably could get rid of the pr princess and the prince because they seem pretty bland as characters, but um, you have the princess who assists her 
You have mm-hmm. the robber girl who she has to befriend to assist her. And then you have the lap woman and the fin woman who she befriends to assist her. And so you, what, what are you looking at? Okay, female main character, female major villain, female secondary villain, female mentors in the lap woman mm-hmm. and the fin woman. So two mm-hmm. female mentors. Or supporting characters, yeah. Yeah, well, I think they're... Oh, and the grandmother would also be considered a mentor because she gives mm-hmm. her the information about the other world that she's just come back from. Mm-hmm. So you got three female mentors, one female friend in the robber girl. And this was the story that Disney said, what? It doesn't represent women enough? Yeah, it's not Are girl powery enough. Kidding me. I know. You know what the real problem is? The problem is that what set all of this in motion was Gerda's love for Kai. That's the problem. The fact that she wanted her man back. Yep. I'm sure someone at the bo- in the board meeting was like, yeah, but this is about a girl who's doing this for a man, and we can't have that. Oh, we even can't though, have that. Even though there are plenty of stories of men doing great deeds for women, that, that, and that's also sexist against women, by the way. Both versions Mm-hmm. <laughs> sex is against women. You, nobody so, can do anything for their for men or women if they're no, men or women you know, the, the like, only no. way it would work is if women are only doing things for other women and the men are are either there to be the villains or to be comedy relief because that's basically what Kristoff was he was comedy relief he was more comedy relief than the fucking snowman was um in the in the first movie he was completely oh. useless and I if, liked you, if best. you weren't useless, then you were just evil. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, you can't. Mm-hmm. Kai functions as Gerda's invitation to achieve something. Like yeah. her, her love for Kai, her desire to get Kai back is why she goes through all of these obstacles in this, like possibly like six month, seven month journey through like three different seasons to try to find him again. And this is why she achieves uh, her objective and she has an achievement and she has a story is because she was motivated by her love for this kid, this boy. Um, that's the point. Like, yep. I, I, and this is probably what they really hated about it and what they really wanted to get rid of it because I noticed they put a whole bunch more male characters in to be evil, to be funny, to be uh, sidekicky, to... You know, but they didn't put in the essential heart of the story, which is that this girl took it upon herself to go save the boy that she loved. And she went through a whole bunch of stuff of uh, hardship, you know, child level hardship. And it wasn't even romantic love. It was like because you said they were like brother and sister. They just were really close friends. They were close friends, but there was a came. Romantic yeah. love, like by the end, because it's it's also like they're growing up as this. Yeah, they're growing up, yeah. and she's growing up through the process of of going through this hardship in order mm-hmm. to gain him back. Yep, and you know it's it's like it's very that's a very powerful heart to this story. Mm-hmm. And love and Frozen has fuck all, like it's just <laughs> it's nothing. It's, yeah, it's just serve the sisterhood. That's why. Yeah, serve the sisterhood. I, if it if it honestly. When I think about the people who are big fans of it, that I mean, when it came out, the first Frozen, I remember saying, man, this was really not good. Um, and I was talking to people. They, The only thing that I know people took away from it was they liked the music. 
And even that got old really quick. It's not, it wasn't especially great, you know, and um, there were some, you know, feminist women that I went to school, I was going to school with at the time that thought, well, they just liked it because it, you know, undermined the tropes, but that, but that's just not enough. That's, it goes back to the conversation we had yesterday. The idea that something is good simply because it disturbs what, what is believed to be some kind of uh, establishment framework or tropes or the norm that is a form of revenge it's basically this Mm. idea that the way it is i don't like it i want it to be different it doesn't matter what the quality is of the end product i just don't want it to be the same way it always is and that's not advocating for something that's simply being against something i.e that the whole headspace you have to be in when you're on a revenge trip you just want revenge on narratives you want revenge on characters you want revenge on fiction because for whatever reason you have either been conditioned or you are so yourself nihilistic you have you have slivers of that mirror in your eye that yeah. you you see only the negative in something that has that actually has love as its central theme basically so mm-hmm. i'd also add that this idea of a girl growing up and achieving something in the process of trying to save a, a boy. And there is the suggestion that they're growing up through this. I mean, it says it at the end. So probably there's a, a slight romantic quality to it. But this idea that she earns him back, like she, well, she didn't really do anything to lose him, but he lost, he, and he didn't really do anything to lose himself either. But she still went through that process of earning him back through this, this arduous journey. And that idea that, a woman needs to actually consider the interests of a man or a girl needs to actually start to consider the interests of a man to become a woman is probably what they really hate. And it's absolutely mm-hmm. true. Like you, okay. you cannot grow without an external standard. And yeah. if women have no external standard, what's, what's women's external standard going to be? It can't be other women. That's ridiculous. That's not an external standard because it's not external to the concept of women. It's just this bland sisterhood. And what it breaks down to is like what I was saying earlier is this constant repeating pattern that I see that when they talk about sisterhood, they just put one woman in the role of like you were saying, the, the universal woman and the other woman is the individual woman who has to serve her. Mm -hmm. And it's gross and abusive. Like I, that's one of the things that really irked me about frozen two frozen one it wasn't as bad but frozen two it's really bad it starts to look like and anna needs to get the fuck away from elsa because elsa is a black hole of need who's going to crush (laughs) anna's ability to actually become her own person that's what it looked like to me i was like it was gross to be honest yeah disgusting yeah the whole sisterhood thing has to be anti-individualism so of course Mm. uh you know anna is gonna end up in an abusive relationship with, like you said, her sister. a black hole. Um, mm-hmm. There isn't much colder than that. So I did see a comment I wanted to respond to because I want to make sure we clear some we things up. We do have super so, chats as well. Yeah, I do. Uh, we do have super chats. So Scapegoat said, er, Brian Kristoff was the only useful character in the party. His sleigh got them up the mountain. His initiative saved them from the giant, and he got Anna home after failing. The movie wants you to think he's less important because he's a man. There's a difference. I recognize that Kristoff was useful, but he was just that. 
He was nothing more than a tool to be used. And it only makes it worse when he yeah, actually, actually falls in love with Anna and she, they don't want you, they don't want him to get a, a satisfaction from that. Yeah, he never gets sat. I can't get no satisfaction. Right. That is Kristoff. Yeah, I'm he like is, wondering uh, why I, is he panting after this? Woman I don't disagree him? with what you're saying, but I think that we're just talking past each other a little bit. Mm. Yes, Kristoff was actually the the most useful person. However, because he is a male, that only reinforces him as a sort of a, a form. He, he was basically just utility. That's it. He was he was utilitarian while the writers of the film were still saying this guy's going to be a dope and he's going to fall for her and she is not going to notice. And I think that even from what I heard, I think that even by the end of the second film, he still doesn't. Um, I'm not really no. sure. I might be I might be thinking about. No, no, uh, no. I've watched that film. I've watched yeah. both films, Brian, and I can tell you, no, it's worse than the second film. Yeah. It is worse it is it's basically worse. it's basically like what they did to Finn in the the Star Wars sequel trilogy where he's basically following Rey around for three movies and he wants to tell her something and he never gets to and he just ends up being a a weird sort of tag along tale for three films because they want him to like her but they don't know what to do with it because he can't he can't be allowed to have satisfaction because he's a man and this is like oh, the where the ideology kind of, gets in the way of storytelling they didn't want, they give some kind of satisfaction to that that obnoxious cunt uh, uh ken something or other ben solos Ky or kylo ben ren solo, right? Kylo yeah, Ren or yeah him and, and Ray end up kissing or something. It was like so the people who wrote it decided to cave into the shippers and gave the Raylos what they wanted. Uh, it, I don't. It was so incredibly lazy. I can't. I can't even go there. But I don't even. There, I, I might have watched it. I might have completely forgotten everything about it. <laughs> well, there is nothing to say. It was just a mess from start to finish. But my point is, it's another demonstration how if you're going in to write a story. And you have mm -hmm. this, you have this, this ideological frame by which you view men and women. It, mm -hmm. it is going to be an obstacle. It's going mm -hmm. to make you write bad stories. This is why when I hear people, um, sort of like there are, are plenty of YouTubers that make content about Star Wars or Disney movies or comic books or whatever, and they know that there's SJW shit in these stories, and they know that this is a trend and there is a problem, but they can't quite put their finger on it because they don't understand the ideology that's at work, and so they often will give things a pass that don't deserve one because they're not paying attention. And I think this mm. is what's missing. When you understand that it's not about whether or not Kathleen Kennedy has a job. It's not about whether or not, you know, uh, this or that SJW writer is currently working on a project. It's about whether or not the ideology is at play, because if it is, there will be problems because the people who are writing this, they have uh, it's in the front of their mind to make sure that a you have a female character B, she cannot be criticized because she doesn't just represent herself. She is symbolic of the female 
of women in general. Therefore, there are certain things that she has to do and she has to abide by. She, she basically ends up falling in a box of rules that she must follow. And lastly, men cannot be a part of that. They either have to be supporting characters that follow them around like puppy dogs, but don't actually have anything to offer and she doesn't need them. And or they have to be villains that are just super evil and they and they they don't care about women and they don't represent anything positive about femininity, but they do represent masculinity. And that is that is what will come out. It will. Mm. Um, and they, you can so, really see it with the 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 butchering of this source material. I'm really glad I read yeah. it because we have something like seven female characters driving the plot and one male character who essentially drives the plot only insofar as he needs to be saved by the main female protagonist who goes through trials to actually earn him back and advances as a person, grows up as a person, goes from a girl to a woman in the process of saving her love. And they had a problem with it. And I guarantee the reason why they had a problem with it wasn't because there were seven female characters who could be considered strong female characters because they had an impact in the plot, either as the protagonist or the antagonist or the mentor figure or uh, uh, an individual who s assisted the protagonist. So well, that wasn't the problem because this was overwhelmingly a female story. The problem was that the female protagonist was motivated by her love for a boy, for mm -hmm. a masculine figure. That was the problem. That's yep. what they don't like. That's yes. what they're trying to get rid of out of stories. So it's fine for Kristoff to be a utility that gets things done. But the idea that Anne, Anne could be motivated Anna could be motivated by her love for Kristoff is what they are trying to remove from the story. And that actually takes the entire heart of the Snow Queen and just cuts it right out and yep. stomps on it. Yep. It's not even, it's not even an ad adaptation of the story. It's just crap that yep. they scrape together from some trivia, from a superficial reading of some of the trappings. Mm -hmm. and, and it's look an absolute. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It's an appalling story. And this is why I like Pocahontas, even though you, she actually uh, did question her people to protect John Smith. You know? Sure. No, no, I have no problem with the, because I think that even my only issue with those movies is that they were just getting really formulaic, but I didn't have a problem mm. with the narrative themselves. Um, they, you know, it was just getting really repetitive. I felt like they were starting to fall into. I think that Disney was in danger at that time of falling into uh, a rut of basically like we're going to adapt this story. We're going to have this female princess character. We're going to have this love interest. And these are the talking animals or supernatural creatures. And, you know, it was just becoming like, you know, guys, shake things up a bit, at least in structure, without getting rid of like the essence of the heart of what you're trying to communicate. What's interesting, too, is about the, the original version. I feel like we're not going to watch this video. I'm sorry. Um, you know uh, what? I think we can always save it for later. Um, yeah. Maybe do a, a New Year's stream or something and go through the video, because this this has been really interesting just discussing the original. And I didn't realize it, but the difference between the original and Frozen itself is so powerful, an illustration of what they actually dislike, yeah. that I think that this just stands on its own as its own content. Uh, absolutely. So all, yeah. So what I was going to say is what's really interesting is 
if you listen to the Snow Queen, the original story, like you just sort of summarized it, and you, after it's over, what is the takeaway? Like if you if you were uh, a grandmother and you told this story to, you know, a bunch of your grandkids, girls and boys, what would they learn from that? Well, like the boys would like they, they would all learn something about, um, you know, the dangers of nihilism and cynicism, which is sort of like the big sort of, you know, the big evil that's going around is that there's this idea that you could become, uh, you know, faithless and uh, I don't know, despondent and depressed and no, there's no point to anything and, you know, whatever. Right. That's sort of like one thing. And that and that's a big thing to talk about, especially to communicate that to children who who may not even have a grasp on that just yet because they're too young. But that will be an obstacle they will confront as they become older. And then on top of that, how many things does the Greta character, I think that every time a Greta comes into contact with another female, there is a, a bit of a reflection of herself that she's also confronting. So the desire to stay usually in this. Yeah, usually yeah. In the, the desire to stay in a comfortable environment represented by summer. Yes, yes. And yeah. basically not go and do what she has to do. You know, the Snow Queen herself probably represents the desire a side. To con the desire to condemn the robbers as criminals instead of mm -hmm. befriend them. So the desire to judgment as opposed to seeing yeah. the best in a person. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure what the Lapland and the Finland woman represent. Probably they're just, just general um mentor figures but there is like there at most stops there is uh there is an invitation to give in to uh your nature that isn't that like you're not your higher self but you're you're selfish like or or your or your self-interested impulses rather than to continue your your mission of love as it were Mm -hmm. So you're right. It, that that is part of it. I'm just I'm just adding to what you're saying because I'm I'm agreeing with you, Brian. There is an element where at each stop she's confronting an aspect of herself. Yeah, and growing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, like I said, it's it's what's being sold or not sold. The wisdom that's being passed down to children through that story is so much more profound than the frozen version it's it's not oh, saying yeah. anything of any significance no, except anything. submit to the sisterhood put yeah, women above men bullshit that's not, yeah. not even put women above bullshit but put the idea of women above women no yeah. the idea of women does not go above individual women the individual women do not need to serve whatever cracked up idea of women the uh, the corporocracy the corporal government corporocracy has fucking concocted and shat out like, this is bullshit. I owe feminism nothing. Feminism owes everything to me and other women like me. And mm -hmm. that is the God's honest truth. They, the sisterhood should never be submitted to by the individual woman, ever. You should never submit your individual interests to the interests of woman. You should always ask yourself, who is defining what woman is? And follow the money. Because it usually is something that benefits a very specific group of people. And they, they co-opt the definition of woman. They co-opt everyone's instinct to provide and protect for women. And all of that filthy lucre ends up pouring into their coffers. And it's a mm -hmm. big goddamn scam. Ah, uh, Anyway, but that's a little bit of an aside. This story, 
the original Snow Queen story is beautiful. Now, it yeah. may have trappings that some people might not because it's religious, it's about sweetness and innocence, but it's really about determination and belief in oneself. Yeah, you could tell the story without uh, yeah. direct, like talking about like God and Christ and angels directly. You could you could totally do that if if, and, if that was really a big deal. Which I think that when when Disney was still under like when Walt was still working with Disney, I think that he he didn't have a problem making direct allusions to to Christianity. I could be wrong though. Like I, like Pinocchio was pretty was pretty Christian, even though it had fairies in it and stuff. <laughs> Um, I think it was after he left and, and made, or after he died or got frozen or whatever. Um, and we got into the sort of silver age of Disney with like the little mermaid and stuff. Um, I think that was when maybe it shifted because I, I do remember they didn't have a problem with Christianity. Like, uh, Fantasia has a lot of that in it, actually. Like the last two mm. pieces of Fantasia are quite religious. But the point is... It's not really about Christianity, right? It has Christian themes, but it's not really about that. It's about the the other themes that we well, discussed. Christianity isn't really about and, Christianity, to be honest. Mm -hmm. If you actually look at the the what Christianity, like Christ, is talking about, it's it's not it's it's something essential to human nature. Yeah, a deep truth about human nature. It isn't just a religion. Um, but I mean that's a story for another day. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's like that. You could tell this story. You could probably tell it in a different, with a slightly different angle, and it would still work mm -hmm. because, it, again, it's really about perseverance. It's really about a girl becoming a woman through her proving her love for mm -hmm. her childhood friend, and that's like I said, that's a beautiful story, and it's a story that is really critical, I think, for girls to learn because the only way for women to well their only way it 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 hits on an essential truth about psychology the only way for you to truly take be as a as a feminine or a female individual to truly become an adult is to hold yourself to a standard, and the only external standard you could possibly hold yourself to is the benefit for men is benefit for men. Even if it's just an individual man who, you, you know, or boy who you, who's your friend. So this literally is hitting that psychological truth that female self-development has to come in relation to the masculine and the masculine principle. It Kai represents, I guess is more of a vulnerable masculine principle. Um, yeah. And that's really what they don't like. They don't like, and it really is, I think, territory or turf that they're trying to defend mm -hmm. because they're all about using female vulnerability to manipulate people and when you bring male vulnerability into the picture of course everybody stops caring as much or being as spastic about caring so it may also be that it, it may be multiple things and i don't think that this is necessarily conscious i think this is completely unconscious or generally unconscious in this i mean some of it is definitely con artistry i'm Firmly mm -hmm. believe a lot of these people who are manipulating female vulnerability, they know that they're full of crap, which is why they have gigantic shit-eating grins on their face when they do it. Yeah. Um, because they have consumed the proverbial dog shit. Um, yeah. So it's you know 
It's true. Yeah, it's like, or they're just like a lot of the people who repeat or puppet these talking points or regurgitate them. Uh, I think a lot of times they're caught up in like the little details of mm-hmm. something and they think that by changing the details, they're like, you know, making a more woke or uh, girl powery story. But all they're doing is like inverting, creating a like a, 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 a an upside down version of things that most people just don't resonate with like they can watch it and say yeah something about this bugs me but i don't know what it is they can't identify Mm. it but we're we're basically trying to put our finger on it and i think that's what it is so yeah well they they'll do something like they'll create a gigantic labyrinth and put it over a gaping hole in logic and then say well you got to contend with the labyrinth before you point at the gaping hole of logic that it's based on it's like well yeah yeah you, you, once you base it on a gaping hole of logic, I don't need to do with your labyrinth of so-called nuance, which is just sheer and utter dog shit that you're presenting as some kind of intelligent argument. But regardless, the point that I was trying to make was this is something that it, it comes down to this idea of being motivated by a masculine principle or masculine vulnerability um, to to become a better person. Because that's what mm-hmm. Gerda did. She, or not necessarily a better person, but grow up into a woman and to face obstacles in order to protect Kai. That's what she did. Mm-hmm. And that is verboten because women are not, well, first of all, women are supposed to be victims. They're supposed to remain in the state of childhood vulnerability. And they're not supposed to take it upon themselves to recognize and be motivated by the pains and troubles of men and boys. And you don't see any more clear an example of exactly this in the way that they absolutely destroyed the story of the snow queen. Cause yep. there was powerful, there was a female protagonist, there were strong female characters. It was absolutely, if you're talking about empowerment of women, this was the story. Mm-hmm. She takes it upon herself to overcome obstacles, to make, to, to finish a goal. She uses guile and perseverance. And you could definitely build that up further. If you wanted to do a real girl power story, most of the characters are female. And the only one that's male is the guy who needs, she needs to save and that she's motivated to save. So yeah. the only reason you would change this story is because you do not want to see Girls are women motivated by the pain or trouble of men and boys. That's it. Okay. Okay. Let's look at some super chats. Uh, Q (laughs) brother soul star gives us $10 and says, I once flipped a feminist post discussing a gender swap beauty and the beast. I argued that feminists wouldn't have the guts to make a fallible female beast that has to redeem herself. Elf herself. Elf. I, I think mm. you mean, yeah. Oh, uh, uh, a gender flip Beauty and the Beast story where the because you know that the thing is too, and I, I think they left in the Beauty and the Beast wasn't the Beast like when he was a human, he was like an asshole, and so he like the he got a curse that reflected like what his heart was like, which is what made him into a monster. Uh, no, he, actually, the original. No? We should go over the original and the changes as well at some point in the future. Yeah, because that okay. wasn't that wasn't briefly, it. No, the, originally mm. it was about the girl learning to look past appearances. Mm. Yeah, right. It was about looking past appearances, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, all and right. Completely changed that message because a lot of these stories 
a lot of them actually had messages of female development and how in what i really don't understand about the feminist interpretation of female or womanhood is how the hell do they think that women are supposed to become empowered or achieve anything without any kind of development or any time kind of external goal outside that of womanhood yeah, but they don't want that. They they just want women You're to right. be free. They just don't they just ultimately their goal is well, let's just say if the goal was anything coming close to something that reflected what they say, so like what their actual goal is, probably just maintain power and and make money, but in this regard, I think the the what they're after is removing judgment from women so women like women should be free of judgment period and they should never be judged uh for anything that they actually do which is what i think that the, all of this it seems to be uh going towards it's not about women being more you know being developed uh developing character or backbone or learning anything or becoming better at anything or becoming adults for that matter it's about them being free from judgment Mm. And not just from men, but from other women as well. They just don't want to be judged on based oh, except on that anything. They can judge. Except that they can judge, yes. Yeah, so they can judge. And that's it. So they, they get to define what it is to be a universal woman. Every woman needs to achieve the uh, as much as possible, adhere to how they've defined the universal woman and serve her. And mm-hmm. that universal that definition of the universal woman just so happens to coincide with giving them more money and power. <laughs> What a yep. freaking con. Yeah, it just so happens. Exactly. So, yeah. okay. So, yeah, I, I guess uh, that makes sense for Beauty and the Beast. I think that that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, we could Albatro- go over the changes there, too. And yeah, Maleficent. Well, and maybe it was another, probably really another time. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. A- Albatross Flight gives us $5 and says, OG version of the Ice Queen sounds like a cool idea for an RPG. Merry Christmas, by the way. Uh, thank you for that, Albatross Flight. Mike Hiller gives us six ninety nine Canadian and says, "Merry Christmas, everyone. I hope you guys talk about Pixar's Onward and how it deals with fathers. I haven't seen that uh, yet. I keep uh, I've, I've heard about it, but I, I heard that it, it you know I, I don't know about the story itself, but I just heard that as an animated film by Pixar, it's sort of underwhelming as many of them have been." But I will look into that, Mike Hiller. I, I do know it's about a. Fa- it is, there is a story about two sons and their father, so that's kind of cool. I think Coco had that sort of too. I think so. Although I, I don't know how I feel about how that one went. Tyler Preston gives us five dollars and says Disney did this with Maleficent too. Also, Merry Christmas, Badgers. Yeah, well, Maleficent is another super feminist story. It's bad. Yeah. It's really mm-hmm. bad. I didn't watch it, but just based on what I heard about the plot and stuff, it sounds terrible. And I knew, I knew they were doing that, by the way, because what's really interesting is about the character of Maleficent. Sleeping Beauty is one of my favorite Disney movies. I have a short list of absolute favorites, and Sleeping Beauty is one of them. It's like my favorite of the fairy tale stories is probably that one because... Um, it's just, I love the animation. It's, it's a beautiful film considering how old it is, but also the Maleficent character is great because she is just evil for the sake of it. Like she's just evil and she's petty and you know, she's just this terrible person. She's literally like a devil, right? Um, because she, she says, you know, at the end she turns to a dragon. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest things is that she turns to a dragon in the movie. Um, 
but she is this, you know, irredeemably evil woman. And there are good women, obviously, in the form of the three fairies. And basically, carry. They carry. They are the they are the princes. Carry like they are yeah. basically the most valuable players on that team. Yes, yes. The three fairy women. Now, Aurora was, you know, she reflect she she was symbolic of that innocence. But the story is about her and the prince. And mm. it, it, it was just it was just really good. Right. But mm. when I heard that they were making a movie, I knew what they were going to do was they were going to try and take Maleficent, who is probably one of the most evil villains in any of the Disney movies, and humanize her. And not only that, but make her sympathetic so that you're supposed to basically say, oh, I understand why she did all the things that she did, which goes back to that thing we talked about yesterday when we did the show on Attack on Titan and compared it to um, The Last of Us Part 2 when I was talking about how they go into this moral relativism territory where they try to uh, explain why someone who commits acts of absolute evil are, are totally justified in doing so because they, somebody did something to them once. Oh, so I therefore hate that they justification. Yeah, but, but that's what they do in Maleficent. Essentially, she becomes an evil queen of fairies the most evil, right? Like just demonic person because a man did her wrong once. That's ultimately what it comes down to. And and that that's the story of Maleficent. There, I saved you the trouble. You don't have to watch it now. Angelina Jolie's a, a Maleficent. She was done wrong by a man, of course, because men are terrible. And it and he was a mortal man. He was like a king or something. But but she was an immortal, super powerful magic fairy that can turn to a dragon. But he still did her wrong, and therefore, you know, she's mad at him. And and this makes it okay for her to do all kinds of terrible shit. So, um, and this is what I mean. Like what they do is they take something. As great as Maleficent, which represents uh, an archetype, I think it's called the elemental evil, where it's something that doesn't, it, it's beyond our understanding, it's beyond our reach in terms of where does this come from, and it explains it, which basically just like, just chops it off at the at the ankles just immediately removes all of the mystique surrounding it and on top of that they make it this story that they're that i think that they're trying to do something relatable so that women will watch that and relate to maleficent and not aurora right or the the mm. fairy the the three fairies because they're just they don't they're not as complex as maleficent is they haven't been heartbroken and you have to be careful of that Jeez. because essentially what they're doing is they're trying to make you relate to evil that's what they're trying to do and interesting how all of her complexity comes from a relationship with a man of course Still. well men have to yeah. be responsible for any suffering that you a know woman how has. you know how uh you were talking about how in the original story of of the snow queen uh gerda's seeing aspects of herself and confronting aspects of herself. So her mm -hmm. complexity is actually reflected in these, fe these female characters, yep. both positive and negative. But of course, because we can't have women be antagonists, we can't have that complexity in a female char character come from her relationship to another woman. Yeah. Can we? Right, it always has can't. to be a relationship to a man. So everything be. that's interesting about Maleficent is actually, she can thank a man for it. And sympathetic, too. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's, that's, it, that's, 
I was just going to say, going back to Greta for a moment, what's uh, more interesting, like another layer, I guess, level beyond the fact that I think that the other women that she encounters on the story, on the journey, as it were, are sort of, they are intended to be reflections of herself uh, Mm. that she's confronting. But what is the most important thing that she does with each encounter is identify whether or not these these aspects of herself she's confronting are good or evil, like whether that she needs to take them with her or leave them behind, right? So the, actually, the really summer, good. So judgment. Yeah, she has to be able to. But you, but in order for you to do that, you have to know what good is and you have to know what evil is, so that when you come across the the Queen of Summer. And she's trying to get you to stay, i.e. be a coward or not continue your journey or stay where it's comfortable. You have to be able to say, no, I don't like this is wrong. I'm not going to do this because I, I would be abandoning someone I love. Therefore, it's an act of evil. So I have to leave the woman of summer behind and move on. And so you can't make progress towards your goals as a person moving in the world if you can't tell the difference between evil and good and that's what those encounters represent i think so she knows Mm. and and they kind of they do this thing there's like a it's interesting now i'm thinking more about this the original story when greta runs into the queen of summer she sounds like she would be good right it's warm Mm. it's comfortable she's probably beautiful and yet that's all a lie. It's basically she's going to keep her there forever if she mm. if she doesn't resist. In, and then right after that, yes, in childhood. And then right after that or before that, there's the robber girl. So these are people who would be seen as not good on the surface, but you dig a little deeper and they're better people. So it's almost mm. like it's not simple for her to do. No, but, it's not. It's not simple. She, right. But you have to know the difference mm-hmm. between right and wrong and, and make those case, choices. The difference between right and wrong is based on love, her love mm-hmm. for Kai. So and I think that's another thing that would probably be rejected for by feminists. But if you think about it, like how do you develop without an ex- something, some external standard to hold yourself to, which Kai represented and her love for Kai represented. And then yeah. in the context of this story, evil becomes anything that prevents her from becoming or growing into the person who can get Kai back. Yeah. Who can access that love. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. And that actually is very true about us generally. What makes, what makes us evil are the things that stop us from, from love, from loving Mm -hmm. and loving others and loving ourselves. So it's it's it is a you know we could probably talk about this story for another hour, maybe. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go back to the um, super chats. And but they yeah, turned so I, it into that crowd. Yeah, and they turned it into Frozen. Yeah, they turned that mm. into Frozen. Unbelievable. And, uh, and you know what? I think that they were probably patting themselves on the back, thinking that they had just made something more complicated or or more nuanced and complex. When they really just they missed the whole point. And they do this with many of these fairy tales, but in a, especially with Frozen. They took Greta and they f- fucking neutered her. Mm-hmm. They didn't give her a journey from girlhood to adulthood with a, with a reward at the end, because presumably Kai was, you know, came back to her 
and they were at the you know the the, the suggestion is that they were becoming adults. Yeah. So Kai becomes her reward. They just neutered her and made it into that schlocky mess. Like, mm-hmm. what the hell is Elsa gonna get from Anna at the end of the day? I'm like, look, I'm like watching this video. I'm like watching this movie, and I'm like, are you gonna nail your sister? Is your sister going to come that for you too? And I know there's plenty of people who are like, oh my God, yes, when I yeah. say that. I'm like, <laughs> I know, I know. You know what? The les- lesbian incest, not my thing. But yeah. the truth is the only future that Anna really has, because that is the future, is you know, finding a mate, settling down. I mean, some people don't want to have children, but generally as pair bonders, we do enjoy having finding a mate and having children. That would be usually Anna's reward for having gone through crap is to get a mate. That's, that's how pair bonders work. And she doesn't get that. Instead, she gets a codependent with an abusive black hole of a sister. And I'm like, I I don't even think this is a benefit to Anna. Like to, to be in eternal servitude to her black hole of a sister. No, I don't think that's a benefit to her. I really would like to see her move on with Kristoff. Or alternatively, say Chris, see Kristoff move on with anyone else. Yeah, no, I, I want, I, I would like, I mean, it'll never happen, but I like to see the Chris, the movie where Kristoff leaves them and says, yes. you know what, I want to go somewhere where I'm appreciated. Yeah, um, that's the movie I want to see. Yeah. Actually, it would also be satisfying for Anna to just tell her fucking codependent sister, abusive sister to go to fucking hell. And she's not going to revolve her life around her sister because that's not how yeah. it works. You grow up, you get a partner, you settle down, you have a life. Yeah. You cannot have a life with your sister. Nope. You have to grow past that because that is your childhood. Your life is supposed to be with Kristoff, but that's never going to happen because he doesn't have a dick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the only conclusion I can come to is this character that's presented as male actually has no genitalia at all so why would you present him as male probably not okay uh let's go back to the super chat so thank you for that tyler preston uh meredith glassberg that's okay meredith glassberg gives us five dollars and says the snow queen is the female hero's journey and they took it away from use for the sake of maintaining virtuous victimhood absolutely you know um i was talking about the female hero's journey and uh it's it's interesting because I didn't know the Snow Queen was so female centric, which it actually makes it really attractive to me. Like, I like that it exists in that. And I'm sure there are plenty more stories. I mean, Beauty and the Beast is that, too. Right. Um, but in addition, like I, I mentioned Alice in Wonderland in a, in a conversation I had uh, as a female a version of the female's journey, as well as Wizard of Oz, because um like in the Wizard of Oz, and I was basically identifying how the same kind of journeys where a person goes to another, you know, like a foreign world and they have to find their way back, but they grow up along the way, you know, that kind of thing. Right. And they learn a valuable lesson uh, when they are usually told around boys that the kinds of obstacles that they confront are different than than when they're centered on on girls. But it, this story, the Snow Queen kind of um it it kind of turns it on its head a little bit because you know what i what i was when i was talking about uh the wizard of oz in particular 
how Dorothy manages to overcome all of the obstacles that she come confronts has more to do with her ability to form meaningful relationships with the men that she encounters along the way, specifically the cowardly lion, the tin man and the scarecrow. And, and she brings out the best in them. So the scarecrow is like, I don't have a brain, so I'm not really going to, you know, I need to find a brain. And she basically says, well, come with me to see the wizard and he can do that for you. But along the way, she, um, when the scarecrow comes up with great ideas because he in fact doesn't really need a brain it's dorothy that brings that out in him so she like brings out the best in these other men that she's traveling with and and it's basically her ability to form strong social bonds that allows her to progress the story so her obstacles are different but i find that kind of interesting and in um, but she's not facing necessarily moral challenges. So the Snow Queen story is actually a, a more powerful or stronger in that regard because um, Greta is facing these moral challenges. But it is also there. There is obviously like us uh, her ability to use her um, you know her brain as well as her social skills because she talks to the flowers and convinces them and you know her tears they make change and she has prayer and these other things um makes it i don't know it just it's really interesting because it is a kind of it is as 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 uh, meredith said it is a female version of the hero's journey and the way in which her obstacles are overcome are unique in that in that regard at least the way compared to like boy stories Hmm. yeah and the, you know there is a difference because um there seems to be a lot more about seeing the goodness in people and befriending them, which can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be very difficult. Yeah, it's, to being, do that. it's being able to judge people accurately and then allow yourself to essentially take the risk of of getting closer to them after mm -hmm. you've made the judgment. And so. also, getting the best out of them does require a little bit of manipulation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it does. And, and that and Dorothy does that to to the you know, the Tin Man, the, the Lion and the Scarecrow. It can also require being bluntly honest sometimes, which mm -hmm. is also front uh, can be difficult too. Mm -hmm. I think that Dorothy sometimes is that as well. Yeah, um, but she but she's also really good at encouraging cooperation, which I think that's that is also something that um makes her interesting, at least in, in, in terms of it being a female journey. Because mm. she could, she as a woman, she can, she could turn those guys against each other because they're they're meeting each other for the first time. They don't have anything in common, but instead she brings out the best in them and also encourages them to work together, um, despite their own limits. Because you know when she meets the Tin Man, for example, he can't move, and so she you know she finds out what his problem is, and it's like he needs oil, and she gets the. Um, the scarecrow to help her, uh, you know, to oil him up so that he can move again. So it's like solving a problem through cooperation, uh, good judgment, identification of what the issue is, communication. So. Oh, anyway. yeah. Yep. So I'm just changing some stuff so it's uh, more reflects the content. Of what we're we talking ended about. Up, <laughs> what we're ta we yeah. had a really interesting discussion on uh, the female uh, hero, the female her hero's journey the fact that frozen isn't that at all because mm -hmm. in order to have a hero's the word hero means servant so it means you have to serve something 
So Gerda's journey and her hero's journey comes from her service for her love for Kai. And you can't have a female's hero's journey without women serving something. Mm -hmm. All right. They can serve something like God uh, or some, you know, some entity that's outside of themselves because God sort of is in opposition to everything. If you believe in God or they have to serve their psychological counterpart, which is men. Otherwise they don't have a hero's journey. Because sisterhood ain't a hero's journey, um, right. at least not at least not when it comes to uh, defining women as women. Like it, yep. I don't. And again, I think that's because I, I think that's why all the sisterhood stories that I see always have one sis- sister being the simp for the other sister who's a black hole of need. Um, because they that they are trying to do that service story. That idea that the one sister is hero for the other sister within the context of womanhood. Well, the only problem is unless they're lesbians, and I guess it works if they are lesbians, if one of them is, although it's still abusive, um, the, 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 real, the real story at the end, the real reward at the end with these sisterhood stories is what? Nothing. No. You know, it's 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 just the continuation of the codependent relationship. Whereas the reward in the end of this story is Gerda gets Kai back. Yeah, basically they're taking they're taking the devouring mother archetype, which is usually presented as a villain, and they're making her into the hero. Mm. So because the sister, the black hole, she's like the devouring mother because she doesn't let the girl, the protagonist, uh, go into grow into her own. Right. Yeah. She keeps her around. She makes her serve her. It's literally the devouring mother made into a heroic figure. Um. Yeah, it's fucked up. Okay. So back to the super, the super chats. Chat. Uh, thank you, Meredith Glassberg, for that. Keyblade Master Andy gives us five dollars Canadian and says the three good fairies are practically the protagonists in Sleeping Beauty. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the the man, the prince, he kind of acts in service to them. So he he wants to save uh, Aurora, but it's only through their guidance that he even knows where to go and what to do. So Mm. it's true. Yeah. They're basically the main characters. Um, Mr. Roboto gives us $2 and says, isn't the story about a Joe about a Jolie being an evil queen? Yes, Uh, that's Maleficent. It is, but they're making her sympathetic. So she's not really evil. She's just misunderstood. That's basically what they're doing. Because there's no such thing as evil. There's just different perspectives i just have an opinion on this thing and you have another opinion on this thing and hey we just have different points of view uh scapegoat gives us five dollars and says i hate that they absolutely destroyed the three fairies in that godforsaken movie the mother figures and cunning chess players turned retarded i never saw the uh maleficent movie but i'm just gonna take your word for it because i'm sure that they did the, the fact is the Maleficent movie, yeah. I think, in, in many ways, it only exists to show what Angelina J- what Jolie would look like with cheekbones that could cut glass. No. Mm, yeah. So if, you, if you're into that, that then watch it. Um, <laughs> the Well, they did the same thing with the original Snow Queen. Like, how many women ca- female characters that were all interesting? And then mm-hmm. they got rid of all of them and replaced them with men uh, and sisterhood. Like yeah. in this 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 really codependent sisterhood. Okay. Okay. Um. Let me see. 
Mr. Roboto gives us $2 and says, Allison, how does an ice queen find a mate exactly? I, I think suppose- Elsa. I, th- I think Elsa is meant she could create one. First off, she literally brought a snowman to life. But oh, um, I hate that character. <laughs> it's terrible. But uh, oh, I, 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 I wouldn't honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if Elsa is meant to be some kind of like asexual or lesbian uh, stand. I fucking hate that snowman. And you know, I actually like the little dragon guy from Mulan. I hate. I hate that goddamn snow <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Uh, yeah. The way that Elsa finds this, uh, a maid is she shapes that stupid into a dildo. Mm-hmm. And or then she takes that other... There was like another ice or snow monster that she created earlier on. Just give him some genitals and go to town. I'm yeah. sure that there's a picture somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure that there's something somewhere. somewhere. Deep, deep in the human subconscious mm. that I'm sure that has emerged. No, I'm sure it's on the internet. <laughs> but uh, but Keith, you know what? That's a what? better love story than 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 uh, Ilsa and Anna. Yeah. Keyblade Master Andy gives us $5 Canadian and says Frozen 2 had the sisters go separate ways at the end. Well, once again, the Frozen franchise, I can't I can ver- barely remember any of the plot points. I know I've watched the movies and I know I'm deeply annoyed by aspects of the characters, but I don't even remember that. If they did go their separate ways, that's good. Hopefully now Kristoff can actually tap that ass and move forward, but I don't think so. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, it's not worth it. Yeah, maybe move forward with someone else. Yeah. Maybe the- or uh, 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 yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but Kristoff needs to go MGTOW. Um, yeah, or gay. Yeah, there's a guy that runs that little shop. You can just go hang out with him. Yeah. That, well, they were gay or something. Yeah, become that, a second what, husband. That's what they were saying, but well, that was a I suggestion. Guess, I, uh, no, I've heard, I've heard that, and I'm just like, yeah, that's cool. It doesn't really do anything for the story, but I guess you guys no. got your representation, so congratulations. Um, yeah, it's it's just amusing to me. So yeah, but I mean, you're right; it doesn't do anything for the story. It's just hilarious. <laughs> it 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 is. It it just just kind of empty it's like okay cool like i could literally just it's sort of like you know jk rowling when all of her harry potter books came out and she was yeah it's completely safe yeah like the book the story's done everything's over and then she's telling us just like how many side characters and background characters were gay and it's like okay that's i mean i guess you can say that who cares though it doesn't do anything like it changes nothing so. Yeah, it doesn't change anything. No. Uh, it's just easy points. You know, like, seriously, if you're going to do that, you need to put it in your story. Like me. Yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, there you go. Maybe all right, a so little. that's all the Super Chats. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So, guys, we are doing our monthly fundraiser. So please go to feedthebadger.com slash project slash badger dash media dash blitz to make sure we can fund Brian, Prim, and Hannah. And this is our uh, stream that ended up being on the legend of our Hans Christians Andersen's original fairy tale, the Snow Queen, and the Disney blasphemy. <laughs> yeah. Frozen. How, how Frozen is actually a disservice to women because they could have just adapted the original story yeah. and it would have been, been more powerful. Obviously more powerful. And you, you, yeah. would, you would actually create, like, through the process of telling that story, 
you create a womanhood that is defined by an individual's actions. Mm -hmm. So she, Greta, defines her womanhood through her actions. It becomes hers. It isn't some definition of womanhood that some sisterhood stamps on her and then shames her for not upholding. It is a womanhood that has been defined by her actions. And that's what really scares feminists. Yep. Okay. And, you know, if they had adapted, there still would have been room for some songs and plenty of action figures and toys because you'd have all the all of the all of the marketing and all of that, you know, all the merchandise. You would have had plenty of it, probably even more than what you ended up with. So think about that. All right. Well, anyways, uh, we'll wrap this up here. Maybe we'll go through this video next time. Um, or some other time in the future. It is. It, I watched part of it. It is pretty interesting, but we just didn't Would end you up like talking us about that. To so. do more like this, like this yeah. kind of if reviews like of stories. I, I really do enjoy this. Like this is this has been fun. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that I would look forward to doing: is talking about stories, talking about story structure, talking about how gender impacts story, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, well, sexuality. Uh, sex, uh, sexual orientation, that kind of thing to impact story and how, what the kind of pitfalls that modern cinema is getting into when it describes the relationship between the genders would love to go into that. Cause I think it's, there's a lot to be said on that yeah. topic. Yeah. Yeah. But tell us what you think in the comments. Yeah. Let us know what you guys think in the comments. Um, I was just going to say that I was planning on trying to watch wonder woman, 1984, I, I heard it came out today and I didn't hate the original, the first one. I didn't hate it. I mean, it, I didn't love it. Like I didn't want to buy it or anything. Cause I think it just fell apart at the end. Like when it was just like this big CGI battle instead of all the other stuff was really interesting. And then it just turned into like generic CGI fight at the end. But um, there was some subtle things in there that were kind of like, Oh, I see what you're doing. But I heard this one is really bad. So I kind of want to see it out of curiosity. Maybe I'll talk about it. Wait, 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 wait. Whoa, Subtle CGI. Wait, wait, wait. Something turned into a CGI fight? No. What? The very... Okay, I don't know if you heard what I was saying. The first okay. Wonder Woman movie, the Gal Gadot oh, 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 Wonder oh, Woman. Oh, yeah, okay. What... The story wasn't bad. Like, I didn't... I didn't hate it. Um, I... It's not... Like, it's not like Captain Marvel where it's completely garbage. It was actually pretty good. Um, the only thing... And it actually kind of had an interesting twist, too, that I, I didn't hate either. But the only thing um, I didn't care for, well, that, that really prevents it from being a movie that I wouldn't mind owning, was at the end, it turns into, like, just a, a CGI battle against Ares. Like, and it's really generic. And just, like, I did not care for it. It almost feels like it was rushed. Like, I just, it was bad. But... Everything else is all right. Like, she's not insufferable. There are other women in the story that are a little bit annoying. And there is some symbolic stuff they do with uh, with Wonder Woman to sort of, like, show how they're substituting uh, men for women. And, yeah, that's there. But it's it's I can tolerate it. It's not god awful. But I heard that 1984 or Wonder Woman 84 or whatever they're calling it, which is a weird year to set this movie, um, considering everything that's going on. I heard that that's really bad. So I'm I'm curious about it. 
and um, maybe it would be something to talk about. I'm going to watch it first or see if I can set a little time aside and give it a shot. In addition, Disney's Pixar's Soul came out, and I'm kind of curious about that movie too, but I don't know when I'll watch it. So, any, yeah, mm. I, I like talking about movies, so I don't have a problem doing that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that sounds like a, like, that would be interesting to talk about as well. I just, mm-hmm. I, I really think stories are where it's at when it comes Absolutely. to. It yeah. making a lot of change um, or or criticizing how they're, we're approaching it and the changes in how we've approached approach the relationship and how we talk about the relationship of men and women in our stories mm-hmm. and the implications for our greater society. But I think that's good for me. All for right. Today. Yeah, we'll wrap this up. So if you guys like this video, please hit like, subscribe if you're not already subscribed, hit the bell for notifications, leave us a comment. Um, sorry that we didn't get to the video itself, but I, f- I think that all of this discussion was actually, actually crucial to, before we can even jump into the actual frozen, uh, video, I think we should know like to what degree things had changed before we even got this product. So, uh, thanks guys so much for coming on today's episode of HBR debate. Not that it was really a debate, but. It was kind of a discussion. Well, actually, I changed it to uh, Red Chill Cinema. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So there you go. Uh, thanks, guys, for coming on the show, and we'll talk to you in the next video. Men's right activists are machines, dude, okay? They are literal machines. They are talking point machines. They are impossible to fucking deal with, especially if you have, like, especially if you have, like, a, a couple dudes who have good memory on top of that, too. Holy shit, you're fucked. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.